Hey, we're going to kind of dive straight into a scripture passage today, um, one that Paul wrote inspired by the Holy Spirit, perhaps if you grew up in a different tra tradition, filled with the Holy Ghost, all right? It kind of depends on where you came from, but, you know, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he wrote this, and here's what I want you to do today. As I read this passage, I just want you to speak out if you can relate. Yes, all right. Somebody knows how to do it. See, a lot of you don't even know how to do that. So, so we're going to be speaking. You can say amen. You can say hallelujah. You can say yes, Lord. You can say that's me. I don't care if you say whoop, whoop. I don't care what you do. I just want you to respond. Hey, online, you can give a thumbs up or whatever you want to do, but none of those angry faces. Somebody angry faces me every Sunday while I'm preaching. I don't know why they're angry facing me, but anyway. All right, so I, I'm going to dive into this passage, and if you can relate, you just speak up when you hear something that you say, yes, I relate to that. It's found in Romans 7, and it says this, for I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. <laughs> yes, yes, somebody was listening. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. Mm, yeah, I got quiet in the room. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin who, that lives within me. Does anybody relate to Paul? You know, a lot of times people say, see, that person just gets me, right? Like, this is one of those few occasions when Paul's writing, I think, Paul gets me. Right? Like, I can relate to this. There's things that I hate doing, but I do them. And there's things that I, that I want to do, and I plan to do, and I think I'm going to do, but I never actually do it. Is anybody, is, are y'all with me? Good, because I was afraid of, if none of y'all are with me, somebody else needs to preach, amen, because something's wrong with me. But the truth is, we all struggle with these things. You know, today I want to start with just 10 habits that are really hard to break. Some things that I want to help you get think, because we're going to get into some spiritual things, but some things that are just hard to stop doing. Number, number 10, I looked these up, these are 10 hard habits to break now this is not addictions these are habits snacking yes you know why I actually there's something about the like the science behind it because like when you eat sweet and salty food it sets off the serotonin in the body kind of makes you feel good for a minute but then you don't feel good because you ate something bad for you so what do you do to feel good eat a little more right because let's be honest about it there's no serotonin party in the body when you eat brussels sprouts like it's not happening. Nobody's body, nobody's body is, is throwing a broccoli party, right? There's nobody, nobody said, you know, my problem is I just keep Brussels sprouting myself to death every night. I just keep eating them. Nobody's doing that, right? Snacking, nail biting. It's an anxious habit. It's kind of like hair twirling, beard stroking, if you have one, I don't know. Procrastinating. Mm. You know, all the procrastinators are planning on stopping this. Just they're going to do it later. All right, that's, what, that's the problem. Um, swearing. It's a really hard habit to break, swearing. You know, it's interesting, the study behind swearing is a lot of times the use of strong language actually will bring somebody's um, 
emotions down, but here's what you don't know is it causes everybody else's to go up around you. It's a very selfish form of communication. Um, uh, Another one is gum snapping. She's not in here, but there's a sinner in our household named Wendy who snaps a lot of gum, right? Like, it's really bad for the marriage on a long trip. I'm just saying, it's not good. That sound can become really annoying, all right? But I'm just, I love her very, very, very much, all right? Tardiness is another bad habit. It's hard to break. Tardiness, some of you aren't even here yet, so you're not gonna hear that. Um, (laughs) Interrupting, interrupting people. You just kind of get in the habit of interrupting people, not letting them finish. Gossiping, ooh, it's a bad habit to break. It's a hard one. You're just so used to it. Gossiping. Here's the thing. Here's some of you saying, I'm not gossiping. We're sharing prayer requests. <laughs> I got a question. Did you pray? Are you praying and fasting about that thing? Because if you're not, you're gossiping. So anyway, just thought I'd let you know. Fidgeting. Fidgeters. So I had to get on to Wendy earlier. So this is me. Like, I didn't even know how bad my fidgeting was till we started dating. And we went on one of those, we went to a date at a restaurant, you know, that like decided to put the booth up like that much higher than the rest of the restaurant for some reason, you know, like they build like a little platform for them. And so you're kind of, you know, just on that platform. Do you know if you shake your leg like this the whole time, it can make somebody else nauseous. <laughs> I was unaware of that until Wendy and I were on a date and I didn't stop fidgeting the whole time. All right, so fidgeting and excessive screen time. Mm. Some of the young people are like, shut up, Pastor Kurt. Right, anyway, so we're starting this series called This Is Me. And there's two ways to kind of approach that statement. One of them is this is me. Take me as I am. This is who I am. Or you could say this is me. Lord, change me. There's some things in me that need to be different, Lord. Change me. So today we're just going to dive into some truths that I would call our paradoxes. There's some things that are true that don't seem like both of them could be true. We're gonna talk about some things that are true of everyone. And then we're gonna talk about some things that are true about Christ alone. And then we're gonna talk about some things that are true of those of us who are in Christ. Those of us who have professed our faith in Jesus Christ and he has changed our life and is changing our life. I dove into some of these truths with our students this summer and I thought I'd share them with all of you. It's Ephesians chapter two, starting in verse one. It says this, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace. I want you to stop and think that word for a moment. The immeasurable riches of his grace. You you can't measure it. There is no system. There is no measurement. There's literally nothing to be able to even begin to describe the riches of his grace. You can't fathom the end of it. You can't find where it's not available to you. You cannot go in this place because he is so rich in his grace. 
and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not a result of works so that no one can boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That you are, literally this word here is you are his handiwork. You are crafted by him intentionally for the purpose of doing his works. You are his work so you can do his works which he has prepared before you even became his work. That's how he's been working. That's how he is working. So there's some things that I want us all to learn today. This, this is true of everyone. These things are true of every person. Here's the first one. Everyone is a beautiful yet broken creation. Everyone is made in the image of God. We are made in his likeness, yet we are broken in our sin and in our transgressions. We were dead in our sins and transgressions. We are broken, not just by the wrong we were born into, but by the wrong we do. Our sin, our choices, our decisions, the things that, that we choose, the unrighteousness that we choose over the righteousness of God, how we stray, how we go our own way, and each one of us has done it. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There are none that are righteous, no, not one. You know, there's only one person who's ever lived on this earth that this is not true of, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. This is true of all of us. This is something that every human can relate to, that we are all, at the same time, both a beautiful yet a broken creation. But here's what we don't want to admit. You broke you. You did it. It was your decisions. It's your sin. It's your unrighteousness. And each one of us has experienced this, has caused this, and everyone is at the same time loved by God in the midst of their transgressions, yet they are a beautiful yet broken creation. The, the, the next thing, not only are we all beautiful yet broken creations, we are also deserving of wrath yet deeply loved. You are by nature children of wrath. Sin deserves wrath. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You are deserving of wrath. The wrong that you have done is wrong enough before a holy God. You might be trying to excuse it and lessen it. But you deserve the wrath of God. Yet at the same time, you are deeply, deeply loved by this God. You deserve the wrath. You've earned it. That's why it says, for the wages of sin is death. It's what you earn. Yet we are all so deeply loved. You know, it's interesting, kind of depending on someone's social views, maybe their political ideals, um, maybe their um, cultural concepts. It's interesting how each one of us, depending on kind of where we come from and what we see, might look at some people and the things that they're doing wrong is truly deserving of the wrath of God. But these people over here that are more like us and sin in ways that are similar to us, these are people who should be deeply loved by God. 
These over there. Now, those people who live that lifestyle and sin in that way, which is different than my sin, those types of people are deserving of wrath. But these types of people are deeply loved by God. Here's the beautiful truth of God. No matter what your sin is, no matter how far you have gone, no matter what ways you have strayed, every one of us is just as deserving of the wrath, but also just as deeply loved. No matter where we've been, no matter what we've done. Some of you needed to hear that today. You walked in here and you knew your life was broken. Maybe it's the first time you showed up. I gotta go do something. Hey, here, I want you to hear something. There's not a one of us that's not deserving of God's wrath, but there's also not a single one of us that's deserving of his love. But yet every single one of us is deserving of that wrath and just as deeply loved by the Lord our God. That's true of everyone, whether they've accepted that love or not. Because he doesn't love us because of who we are. He loves us because of who he is. He doesn't love us because of what we have done. He loves us in what he has done for us. Now, there's some truths that are true of Christ alone that we need to learn here. And the first one is Christ alone is a merciful giver of grace yet righteous in judgment. He is the merciful giver of grace. He is rich in mercy. This, this word for rich is kind of like the idea of wealthy in such a way it's never gonna run out. I'd like to try some of that, you know what I mean? To have a bank account that's never gonna run out, right? That's how God is in mercy. I want you to hear that today. No matter what you did this week, last week, this month, last month, this year, last year, 10 years ago, you haven't outrun the richness of his mercy. He's rich in it. But he's also righteous in his judgment. Both of these things are true of the Lord our God. See, the one who is the giver of grace is the very one whose judgment causes you to be in need of grace. It's the same Lord who is the giver of grace and the one who will judge the living and the dead. He's the righteous judge, yet he's the giver of grace because he loved us so much. God loved us so much that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life, this life that is found in Christ Jesus now, Christ alone is merciful giver of grace. He's righteous in his judgment. This is also true, that he's wealthy in love, yet holy in law. He has loved us with this great love. I love how this is written here in Ephesians 2, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses. Why is he merciful toward us? Because he loves us. That's why. And he's wealthy in this love. He has this great, abundant love. Yet at the same time, he is holy in his law. The law, the truth, the standards. He's not going to change them because he loves you. He will change you because he loves you. That's what he'll do. He has this wealth of love towards us. Yet he's holy in his law. He's not, he's not going to compromise to make you right with him. But he died to make you right with him. He didn't change the price. 
He paid it. And at the same time, these two beautiful truths are in that he's so wealthy in his love. Not after, not after we've come to know him, but while we were still in our transgression, he wanted to show you it. He wants to show you how immeasurable it is today. Some of you right now are resisting this God, and he's just saying, you'll never, ever discover on this earth how, how great my love is. You can't find the end of it. You can't go deep enough. You can't go far enough to get outside of my love. He's wealthy, he's holy in love. It reminds me of just how he treated Peter the night before his crucifixion, when he was arrested, he told Peter, hey, you're going to deny me. And Peter's like, no, everyone else will fall away, but not me. I'll die with you. Like, come on. And he said, no, you're going to deny me three times tonight. By the time the, the rooster crows in the morning. And, and it literally, the story goes that, that the third time Peter denied him that night, he immediately heard the rooster crow. And then it says that he, he looked back and he caught the eye of Jesus. But I, I want you to remember something Jesus told him before he denied him. He didn't just tell him he, he, he denied him. He, he looked at him and he said this to him. But when you have returned to me, strengthen your brothers. Even in the midst of telling him the holiness and the law, you're gonna fall short of the standard. But when you experience my grace and mercy, be used of me. Strengthen the brothers. I love how the Lord loves us, yet he's holy in his standard towards us. See, there, those of us that are in Christ Jesus, those of us who have come to, to salvation by grace through faith. So I want you to understand we're saved by grace, which is something God gives us, but we receive it by faith. You have to believe. It's available to everyone, but not everyone receives it. You have to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And those of us who have these things are true of us. Those who are in Christ are alive to righteousness, yet still living in sin. We've been made alive to Christ. And we're alive to righteousness, yet we still struggle with sin. It's true of every single one of us. We're alive to righteousness. There's actually something that happens when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, when you're indwelled with the Holy Spirit because you've been saved by grace through faith and that is your promise that you receive this seal of the Holy Spirit. Here's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And here's what I know out of my walk with the Lord is that when I live in sin, he doesn't leave me alone because he's made me alive to righteousness. Actually, that's a conversation I have with people who say they are believers and they're living in sin. I ask them, well, are you experiencing conviction? Because I'm gonna tell you this. If you say Jesus Christ is Lord of your life and you're living in sin and you're not experiencing conviction, something's wrong with your soul. You need to get right with the Lord because he convicts of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. There's been some times in my life, even as a follower of Christ, I've tried to go away and he wouldn't leave me alone. Sometimes, like, I didn't actually say leave me alone, but I kind of would say to the Lord, hey, Lord, for a while, why don't you leave me alone? And he wouldn't do it. Why? Because he's made us alive in Christ and alive to righteousness. There's things that you care about right now that you never thought you'd care about. If you're walking with Jesus, you become, become convicted over things you never thought would matter because he's making you 
more and more into the likeness of Christ. We're both alive to righteousness, yet still living in sin. Another thing that's true of us is we're saved by grace through faith, yet struggling with faith. We've come to faith. We've put our faith in Jesus. We've accepted this grace that's been given to us, yet we're still struggling with faith. See, faith is this. Faith is this absolute trust, this complete trust dependence on God and so we've come to this place and we put our faith in Jesus but we're still struggling to put our faith in Jesus right now in this room there are people who are struggling to believe Jesus and trust Jesus with their money somebody in this room is struggling to to trust Jesus with their marriage with their friendships with their career somebody is struggling to trust Jesus with dating and trusting that his standards are the right way. Somebody in this room is is struggling to trust Jesus with their kids. Somebody's struggling to put their faith in Jesus and trust Jesus with their health. I mean, we believe in Jesus, we have our faith in Jesus, yet we're still struggling to believe Jesus. That's true of all of us. This paradox is true. See, some of you have been living like, I'm the only one that, that lives like that. No. Everybody in this room has to wrestle with that paradox in their life. That they believe, yet they struggle to believe. That they trust, yet they struggle to trust. These things are true of us who are alive in Christ Jesus. And the last one is that we're lifted up, yet we're falling down. He's lifted us up. He's set us in the heavenly places, but we still fall down he lifts us up and then we fall down but he lifts us up again he's lifted us up here's the problem when you fall down and you quit asking him to lift you up you know a few weeks I have a I have a trail race I'm going to be a part of and Anytime I go on a trail run, I'm going to tell you something I'm going to do. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to fall down. I don't fall over the big roots. It's the little ones. You want to know why? I see the big ones. They're right there. I can see that I need to go over that. It's the little ones that get me. Now, I tell you, every trail race I've ever been, I'm going to fall down somewhere along the way. It's always going to happen. And over this little bitty root, I get so mad about it. That little tiny thing took me down, and it hurts. You know, I'm always hoping that I fall going uphill because when you fall going downhill, it's a totally different ball game. Now, I'm going to go run. I'm going to tell you something, though. I'm going to fall down, but guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to get up. See, some of you have fallen down, and you think God quit on you. God's just getting started because he will finish what he started in you to the day of Christ Jesus. We've been lifted up, yet we're still falling down. This is true of every single one of us. In this series, this is me. We're just kind of be wrestling and dealing with some of these paradoxes because here's the hard part. Is this is true, but so is that. I'm saved by faith, but I'm struggling to trust you. I'm alive in, in righteousness, but... I'm struggling with sin. It's true of every single one of us. 
And I want us to discover how to walk in the beauty of what God is doing. But there's one more thing that ends with that I want to end with today. Is that we're also designed with purpose yet struggling with direction. He has made us his handiwork so that we can do his good work. God made you good at something for everybody else's good, not your own. Are you using it for the good of everyone else? Because if you're not, you're missing out on the beauty of his handiwork. This further into this fall, um, we're gonna get into a series custom made, just talking about how God has gifted us and how to discover those and live in those as the people of God. Today, I have a question for you. Is it time for you to come face to face in faith as best you can with the one who is both the righteous judge and the merciful giver of grace? With the Holy One who created the law by which your condemnation has been declared yet has richly and fully loved you so much that he gave his son that if you would believe in him, you would not perish but have everlasting life. Is today the day that you are saved by grace, not by works, but through faith in Christ Jesus? Have you put your faith in Christ? Maybe you're here today and you say, I, my faith's already in Christ, but man, those things you were talking about, those are true of me. I'm not, I'm not walking in those things. Maybe today you just need to return to the Lord and say it's time that I, I allowed him to lift me back up. I fell down and I stayed down. It's time for me to get back up. And we'd love to pray with you, me, and some, some other leaders in our church are gonna be right here. We'd love to have the privilege of praying with you today as we're dismissed. So I'm gonna pray for us. I'm actually ask everybody to stand with me. As you're standing, I wanna challenge you and encourage you. Find a life group, get connected, get plugged in, get in relationship with some folks here so they can walk along with you but I wanna pray for us and then we'll be dismissed in prayer. Father God, thank you for this day. And Father God, I'm grateful for this, that you save us by grace. It's your doing. It's your love for us. Because Father, not a one of us could earn it. So I thank you for your grace and your mercy today. Father, I pray if there's anyone who, in this room who's never come to that place of faith and trust in you, that they would today. That they'd be willing to share that with one of us and talk to us about it. Father, for those who've fallen down, who have gotten stuck in sin and have given up, Father, I pray that they'd be willing to share that with somebody today. We wouldn't just leave here in the same defeat we walked in but we'd walk out of here different, Father God. Thank you for grace that's immeasurable. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.